0: We can take your Bibles this morning, open them with me to the book of Romans. Last week, we were blessed to hear from Pastor Dan Miller from Eden Baptist Church, and this week we're back in Romans. Specifically, Romans chapter 8, which by the way is a really good chapter. Now the last time we were in this chapter together, we looked again at the good news that those who belong to Jesus Christ are no longer what Paul says, in the flesh, which is to say we are no longer in the old age or the old realm where sin still reigns. Instead, those of us who've put our hope in Jesus Christ for our standing with God are no longer in the flesh, Paul says. No, we are now in the spirit and the spirit of God is in all of us. We heard that good news last time, but what we focused on was actually how Paul moves from sharing that good news to telling us what to do in light of it. You see, Paul knows that being set free from bondage to the flesh doesn't mean we'll never be drawn back to the flesh or enticed by the old age to run away from God. Paul knows that the flesh will continue to fight against the spirit and wage war against our souls. And last time we, we began to see how we're supposed to respond to this. And that's what we're going to keep looking at and thinking about this morning. So on the whole, we're looking at Romans 8, 12 to 17. On the whole, there's one big negative application in the text and one big positive application. Paul starts with a negative. That was in verse 12. Look at Romans 8, verse 12. He says, so then, brothers brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Paul says, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation, but it is not to the flesh. We do owe our allegiance to someone to something, but it is not to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh, the old age, anything. In fact, if you order your life after the flesh, if you chased after the desires of the flesh, you will die, he warns. So the first application is negative. Don't run after the flesh. Don't chase after the priorities and the values of the old age. Don't give your allegiance and your loyalty to the dominion of darkness anymore. You're not a citizen of that wicked kingdom anymore. That path leads to one and only one destination. It always leads to death. But the rest of the section is Paul's positive application. That's what we started to look at last time, and that's where we're going to focus today. Start again in verse 12, but we'll read a little further. So then, brothers... We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That's what this section is about. It is about the leading of the Spirit of God and the responsibility of every Christian to give their total allegiance to God's Spirit and to give themselves fully to following the Spirit wherever He leads. As you can see in verse 14, this, in fact, is what marks out the sons and daughters of God. It's being led by the Spirit. God's Spirit leads God's sons and daughters. And God's sons and daughters get behind God's Spirit. That's what you find in verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these ones are the sons of God. Now, if you can remember, two weeks ago, one of the biggest questions we tried to tackle was what, what exactly it means to be led by the Spirit. And I'm not going to go back through everything we talked about, but perhaps you can remember how we focused on how the Bible actually uses the language. We have kind of a way that this is often used today, but how the Bible actually pictures being led by the Spirit. That's what we tried to focus on. And What did we see? I'll just review a couple of things. What, first, when God's Spirit leads God's sons in the Bible, the Spirit leads us clearly to or away from specific actions or destinations. Also, when, when the Spirit leads God's sons in the Bible, the Spirit leads constantly throughout the entirety of, Of their journey. That that was the way it was with Israel, who is called God's Son. That's the way it was with Jesus, who was fully God's Son. And that's the way it is with us, the sons and daughters of God. And, And as I said last last time, I don't I don't think we really need to be sitting around waiting for the Spirit to move. As much as simply following where the Spirit is already leading. God's Spirit is already on the move, already leading. He's always with us, he's always pushing us, always leading us. The question is more, are we going with him? Lastly, when the Spirit leads, as you look at the Bible, when the Spirit leads, the Spirit leads with power. God's Spirit doesn't just point the way And then tell us in effect, now go out and do your best and I hope to see you at the destination. Now God's spirit leads God's sons to God's places with God's power. The leading of the spirit is not in the Bible just about God giving us general direction. It's also about how God's spirit empowers the sons and daughters of God to actually move and walk in the paths that he is charting for us. So I suggested, that if you want to keep a picture in your mind of what the leading of the Spirit looks like, I would not picture someone standing in front of Starbucks and Caribou just kind of waiting for some sort of internal prompting to go to one or the other, trying to figure out which way to go. Instead, a better picture to carry around in your mind would be to think through the whole story of how God reached down with his mighty arm and delivered his people out of Egypt. And then how he led them with power through the sea, through the wilderness, always with them, always leading them, always empowering them all the way to the promised land. God didn't just give them a map when they got out of Egypt about which direction to go and just kind of point them in that direction and say, do your best from here. No, God was with them all the way, night and day, through the pillar of fire and the cloud, charting their course, empowering their every step of the journey, that is how the Bible itself talks about the Spirit's leading. But all of this brings us back to the biggest practical question as we work through the text, and it's this. What is God's Spirit leading us to do? Or where is God's Spirit leading us in this text? If God's Spirit is leading all of God's sons and daughters, where is he leading? Let's pick back up in verse 12, And think about that question now. Verse 12 again, he says, So then brothers we're debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now think about it. What does God's Spirit lead God's Son to to do in this text? God's Spirit leads us to put to death the deeds of the body? Has God's Spirit been leading you the last two weeks since we looked at this text? Well, if you are in the Spirit, and if the Spirit is in you, the answer to that question is always yes. But what has God's Spirit been leading you to do There could be lots of answers to that, but one thing that God's Spirit is leading us all to do is to put the sinful deeds that we do with our bodies to death. Or to put it more plainly, God's Spirit is leading every one of God's sons to kill sin. When we come to true faith in Christ, God sets us free from the penalty of our sins, and God also sets us free from the enslaving power of our sins, But that doesn't mean we're never going to be drawn back towards sin or that the passions of of the flesh are just going to simply lie down and say, please, oh, please, put me out of my misery. Now, the Christian life is war, but in the battle, there is someone greater than us who is always with us, who is in us, who is leading us into battle. Who is that? It is the Spirit of God. And what is God's Spirit leading God's sons to do to these fleshly desires and impulses and deeds that want to surface again in our lives? The answer is that God's Spirit is calling us and beckoning us to kill them, to be merciless against sin, to root it out, to hate it, to detest it, to destroy it. We focused quite a bit on that last time, and it is serious, sobering to think about. But that is not the only place God's Spirit is leading us. And today I want to focus on three more places God's Spirit is leading us. And these couldn't be more encouraging. So let's look at verse 14. We'll pick up there. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That verse 15 is a great verse. First, I think when you look at it, it helps us understand how we became sons of God at all. Because we weren't always sons and daughters of God. We were once slaves. But God, (laughs) through his spirit, has adopted us as his own sons and daughters. That means God wanted you in his family. And if you're not his child right now, God wants you in his family. Now, when we start thinking about adoption, lots of stuff can come to mind. I mean... One practical thing is I love the literal picture of adoption that happens today. Where Every time I see Luke and Sarah and a little baby, not so much a baby, but growing Louisa, I think what an incredible picture of the gospel. We want to be a church that promotes adoption. Right? Bringing in children into our families and treating them in every way as our sons and daughters. But when you think of the Bible and i highlight two things one if you're thinking in terms of this story of the bible about adoption being adopted as god's sons is something that was a specific privilege of israel in the story of scripture in fact one of the first things that god tells moses in the book of exodus to say to pharaoh is this israel is my firstborn son. You ever read that? Out of all the nations on earth, God had adopted Israel to be his son. That is, by the way, one of the reasons it's helpful to note that Paul is specifically using the language of sons in this text. He's not trying to distinguish men and women but he's likely drawing on this picture in the Old Testament. In fact, in the very next chapter, Romans 9, verse 4, Paul says this about his fellow Jews. They are Israelites, and to them belongs, you know the first thing he says? The adoption. That's in the next chapter in Romans. But by the working of God's Spirit, Gentiles like us (coughs) are no longer Strangers and aliens, as Paul might say in Ephesians, were adopted as sons. Second thing, when you think of the story of the Bible in terms of adoption, being adopted as God's sons is supposed to highlight for us that we have been brought into the same status as Jesus, the very son of God. That is a theme throughout this entire text. What Jesus has won is ours, too. What Jesus will inherit, we will inherit, too. God has adopted us into the family so that we can share in all that our older brother has already won. Now, as great as these thoughts are, this verse is actually doing more and just explaining how we became God's sons. It also adds this, to, this, to our understanding of where the Spirit is leading us. Look back at the text, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, <laughs> some translations say, leading you to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, did you notice there is a place in the text where the spirit is not leading you? The spirit we received is not one who's going to make us slaves again or who's going to lead us back into fear that's not where the Spirit is leading any of us. That would be like God rescuing his people out of Egypt, leading them through the sea, and then circling back and taking them back to Egypt. (laughs) There's no way God ever would have done that. And there is no way God's Spirit will lead God's sons back into slavery. Back into fear, which in this text is probably like being afraid of God, being fearful of his wrath, being in dread of condemnation. God's Spirit isn't leading any of us back there. Instead, where does the Spirit of God lead the sons of God? In the text. In verse 15. The Spirit is leading us all to the point where we can cry out to God, Abba, Father. Now, what's the deal with that word Abba? I mean, what language is that, anyway? Like, that's not a Greek word. I mean, it just comes out in English. But that is from a different language. Do you know which language it's from? It is from Aramaic. Good answer. Good answer. Aramaic. And, and I, I typically, <clears throat> you know, you think, well, what's the big deal about that? Aramaic is the main language Jesus himself spoke. And the word Abba is the very same word Jesus used address his father on the night he was betrayed <clears throat> in the gospel of Mark Mark tells us that while Jesus was in agony in the garden of Gethsemane <clears throat> do you know what happened he fell to the ground and he prayed the gospel of Mark says first word he prayed Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. I mean, think of that. In one of the most intense moments of Jesus' life, time of great desperation, Jesus turns to his Father, and he cries out, Abba, Father. This was the way Jesus himself, the son of God, cried out to his own father. It was the most endearing, intimate way he could address the father he loved. And Paul uses that same language. He even retains the same word, even though it's not in the language he's writing in, to highlight the kind of relationship God's spirit wants to lead all of us into with the Father. Where is the Spirit leading? He's calling us, inviting us into closer and closer communion with the Father. The Spirit is leading us into the very same kind of relationship with the Father that Jesus himself, God's own beloved son, had with him. God's Spirit is not leading you to be afraid of God to be more and more distant from God. No, God's Spirit is leading us closer and closer to the Father, pushing us toward more intimacy with the Father, Like like the kind maybe a little girl has with a dad that she loves and adores, or the kind a son has who just wants nothing more than to please his dad and be with his dad. How is your relationship with the Father this morning? Are you as close to God as you want to be? Are you closer to him or further from him than you used to be? God's spirit is leading us all in one direction. Closer and closer to the Father. Now let's see where Paul goes from here. Look at verse 16, so it picks right up on this just a little bit different angle, it Says the Spirit himself, in verse 16, bears witness <clears throat> with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now you think about the verses together. The Spirit not only makes us God's children, the Spirit also assures us that we really are in the family. The Spirit himself testifies To our spirit that we really are the children of God and if we want to come back to the topic of the leading of the spirit we just say where does the spirit lead the answer God's spirit leads us into greater and greater assurance that we truly belong to God the spirit testifies to us internally that we're God's children Now, I I wanna think about this. Our our standing with God is based and grounded in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that work never changes. It is finished. And so that is solid, unshakable ground. But at the same time, our internal sense of assurance or confidence that we really do belong to God, that we're really in his family, can ebb and flow. Our internal sense of assurance can arise and fall. Perhaps you have experienced this throughout your own life as a Christian. Times when you are very certain of the truths you profess. And times when you've struggled with doubts. Times when you are very confident of your standing with God. In times when you've wrestled with whether you might not even be in the family. Now, I wanna, I wanna talk about that a little bit. First, I wanna say that's not an uncommon experience. You might feel like you need to hide that. You don't, this is not an uncommon experience. Second, I wanna, I wanna add that experiencing the, the lack of assurance or confidence of our own standing in the family can be due to a wide variety of reasons there is no one size fits all diagnosis or solution i mean just think for a moment of the many possible reasons someone might go in and out sometimes of feeling confident of their standing there's there's lots of possibilities now just think of a couple like one Possibility is poor teaching. This isn't the only one. But, but imagine that, that you've been taught that every time you sin, you lose your salvation, your standing with God. Or if you've been taught that true, dedicated Christians won't sin anymore, then what will inevitably happen because we all still sin? You will often doubt your standing with God. Another possibility that I think we have to acknowledge might be due to things like personality or our wiring. Like Those, those who are perhaps particularly introspective or analytical may experience more waves of doubt than others. Some of you may have never doubted. You're standing with God throughout your entire Christian experience. And then there's others that this has been a constant struggle in your life. One possibility is due to just the way that we're made up. Our personalities, the things that we tend to go on in our heads and our minds, or those with very tender consciences, might be so grieved when they sin that they're prone to wonder if this particular sin might be an indication I just don't belong to God. Another possibility that you have to acknowledge if a person lacks confidence of their standing with God, is maybe the person's not even a believer. That's a a possibility. It's not the only one. But I mean, think of it, a person who doesn't really believe the gospel should not have confidence of their standing with God. In fact, whatever confidence and assurance they think they might have, it's at best false assurance. And that's just a few of the possibilities. There's no one-size-fits-all explanation for why we may go up and down in our confidence of our standing with the Lord. But I, this text should remind us of a couple things. One, the work of assuring God's children of their status in the family is specifically the work of the Holy Spirit. So, so think about this. When I'm counseling someone, or when you are, it's not ultimately up to the counselor to bring someone this confidence. I mean, I can share the words of God. I can point them to the trustworthy promises of God, but it is ultimately the work of the Spirit inside our hearts to assure us that these words are true, that the promises are trustworthy, and that God's love for us is real. God's Spirit does that in the heart We help, we point people to the words, but I cannot give someone that assurance, no matter how much I love them. This is a work of the Spirit, and we can pray and we can point them to the words of the Spirit. But God's Spirit does that work. And then I think the second thing from this text that I take away about this is that one possible explanation for why someone might doubt his or her own salvation is... Is perhaps that they're not keeping in step with the Spirit. Like I said, this is not the only possibility, but it is one. I mean, think about it. If I am not obeying God's Spirit, like actually listening, taking steps in the path that the Spirit is charting, what is going to be one of the very likely results of that? if I won't listen to the Spirit and obey, I, I would imagine I will start to feel less confident of my standing with God. Why is that? It's because assurance is the work of the Spirit. God's Spirit assures God's sons and daughters that they really belong. And if we aren't listening To God's spirit in general, it is very possible, in fact, maybe very likely, that we'll struggle with our own confidence of our status in the family. And that is one thing we should always be aware of. A temporary lack of confidence might simply be God's means of getting our attention and calling us back to wholehearted allegiance to Christ and a renewed commitment to follow wherever the Spirit is leading. Now, we think about all this. God's Spirit is on the move. He's already leading. Where? To closer and closer fellowship with the Father, and a greater and deeper assurance that we're really in the family. And then lastly, though, we're gonna really save this for the next time. I want us to see the last verse of this section, which opens our, our eyes to the final destination, to which God's Spirit is leading the sons and daughters of God. Look at verse 17. We'll pick up in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with Jesus so that we may also be glorified with him. The spirit of God makes us God's children. And if we're children, then we are heirs. You might think, I've got nobody going to give me lots of stuff when they die. (laughs) Like, Like, God's children are heirs. What are they going to inherit? Put simply, the final inheritance Of the children of God is the new creation. It's the glory of being with God and with his son Jesus, looking just like Jesus, without any sin or any suffering, enjoying him and each other to the fullest forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And this is where the Spirit of God is leading all the sons of God. We're all going to the same destination if we're God's sons and daughters. He's rescued us from slavery, made us God's sons and daughters. He's with us every day, charting every step of the journey, and he's ultimately leading us home to a better city. We will one day inherit the world. Not because we're so great, we're not. This inheritance will be ours because God has graciously adopted us into his family as his sons and daughters. And because our older brother, Jesus, has done everything for us through his cross and resurrection, all the stuff we never could have done for ourselves, and he wants to share it all with us, fellow heirs with him. Now, there's been a lot to think about today, and a lot I hope God's Spirit has already used to teach us and encourage us and comfort us and challenge us. What I want to leave us with today is is one thought about what we considered earlier about how God's Spirit is leading all of God's sons and daughters closer and closer to the Father. I don't know what your relationship is with your own earthly Father. Some of you maybe had great relationships, some of you didn't have close relationships at all with your with your earthly father. But God the Father loves you. He, if, you, if, you, if your faith is in Christ, the Father has adopted you. He wanted you in his family because he loves you. And if you're not in his family yet, he is working in your life. I mean, I think that's why you're here. Because he's doing something to bring you under this preaching so that his spirit can work in your heart, and so he can bring you in to his family. But God grants his spirit to us when we believe so that his spirit will lead us closer and closer and closer to the Father. And this reminded me the past couple of weeks of a phrase that is repeated in the final book of C.S. Lewis's great series, The Chronicles of Narnia. Not, maybe you've read it, maybe you haven't. If you've made it the whole way through the series, the last book, is called The Last Battle, and in it, the children that the, the stories are about, primarily, finally arrive in Aslan's land, which is something like the promised land. They actually have died, and, and, and they've arrived in Aslan's land, the new heavens and the new earth. It would be like what it's like, the promised land. And as they come into that glorious land, they start to experience a kind of joy and fullness and richness that they've never experienced before. But the interesting thing in Lewis's story is it also becomes apparent in the story that there are even better things ahead of them as they progress into the land because it's kind of like they're starting out on the outskirts of Aslan's land. And so the call keeps coming out to the children. I don't know if you've ever heard this line. But this call keeps going out to them, beckoning them. And you know what it says? it says? It keeps saying, further up and further in. And they hear it. And so they start like running further up and further in. And the more they go in, the greater the joy, the greater the richness, like they've never experienced before. And so they keep running and they keep running. And do you know what they hear again? They hear the same call. Further up and further in. It's always the call. Further up and further in because there's greater and greater joys ahead of them. And no matter how close or distant you may be to the Father right now, I've been thinking of that call coming out to us today. Further up and further in. God's Spirit is calling us, beckoning us, leading us further up and further in into deeper, and deeper communion and fellowship with the Father than you've ever experienced before? Into greater joys than you've ever known. Are you satisfied with where you are in your walk with the Lord? Do you have the kind of relationship where in your desperation, you would fall on the crown and say, Abba, Father. Do you realize this is the sort of relationship that is Possible for you, and that God wants to have with every one of His sons and daughters. This is one of the reasons He gave us the Spirit, because He wanted His Spirit to lead us all further up and further in. Let's pray. Father, would you take these words? Thank you for your grace today. Would you please take these words and encourage our hearts and, and stir us to? renewed commitment to pursue you, to draw near to you. And thank you for your promise in the book of James that those who draw near to you, you will draw near to. Lord, I know we can be as close to you as we wanna be. Would you, would you keep leading us by your spirit? I know you will. Would you keep leading us with power into greater and greater assurance of our standing in the family, and into greater and greater intimacy with you. And I pray that for all of my brothers and sisters, you would keep leading us all the way home. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.